see me already leave the room and come back in, or does that not is that information not available to the guests? No, that is not available to the guests. Why? What happened? My chunks already went critical, and I had oh, to load the room. Yeah. But maybe oh that's God. it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I'm gonna look on. I'm gonna be optimistic about it. Oh man, you woke up and your chunks were already critical. Tim. <laughs> no, before I got out of bed, my chunks were critical. <laughs> Uh, sorry about being late. It just took me a little longer to watch the ep than I thought it would. It wasn't even a long one. It was just like, hey, it's going to take you 35 minutes to watch this. I'm like, okay. Fine. <laughs> it usually takes me about an hour, but I stop a ton to write yeah. notes and stuff. I, uh, I've gotten in the habit of just doing like speech to text notes during the episode playing. I'm like, okay, yeah. this is this is nice. I mean, when we were doing Seinfeld, I had to block out an hour and a half to do notes and watch the episode. I'm like, this is dumb. No. For shorter episodes this, for like 20, is, you know. Yeah, like this is not sustainable. <laughs> and then we'd get a double episode. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm sitting down and watching a feature length <laughs> movie. Uh, all right, should we get going? Yeah, might as well. Let's do it. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's... You, you know we've been doing this show for a long time when you just changing your inflection a little bit on the opening throws me off. <laughs> well, I, I do it because I always, like, mumble through it. I guess, like, everything I say, but I'm like, Hugging, No Hugging, No Learning. You know, and, and I'm like, I want to start enunciating that. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's not, Welcome to the Hugging, No Learn. What? No, no Hunter What's this called? Welcome, like, welcome to Hugging the Learner. You, you, you know, you downloaded it, so you should see the title, but I still yeah. feel like, you know, you never know when someone's just going to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. It is the show about <laughs> one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, excuse me, Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I am <laughs> Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about <laughs> Season 7, Episode 7, The Black Swan. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, the Bear Midriff? Really, we just wanted to see what Jillian Bell was up to in 2009 when this uh, episode aired. And she is an American actress, comedian, and screenwriter, born in 84. And she first broke through as a writer for the 35th season of SNL, which I did not know. Oh, shit. I had no idea she wrote for SNL. Yeah, she started the very same year she appeared on this episode of Curb, 2009. Into wow. The, uh, yeah, into summer of 2010. And was nominated for a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Writing for a Variety Series on SNL. Uh, so one season, uh, an SNL one-seasoner, just like Larry David. And uh, an, an SNL alumni, I always forget this, J.B. Smoove, who spent three seasons on oh SNL. Oh, my God. Starting I... in 2003, Yeah. I had no idea he was on SNL either. He was never a cast member or even a featured player, from what I remember. But I remember he would pop up, especially in those, uh, hey, oh, I'm, um, you know, Paul Giamatti, and it's going to be a great show. Oh, uh, we have a question from the audience. The question from the audience monologues, he would always pop up in, uh, I remember. So, yeah, I think oh, he was okay. like a writer, and then every so often when they needed they needed somebody, somebody on camera. Yeah, they needed yeah. A, a speaking extra, in other words. Like, you know, you don't want it to be Kristen Wiig. You want it to be somebody who nobody's going to know. You're going to put J.B. Smoove up there, uh, who's going to kill it, of course. Jillian Bell, I saw, I was watching an interview with her where she said the first sketch she wrote actually made it to air from, and I was talking Holy about my, crap. yeah, I was talking about my SNL obsession last week, and 
that yeah, that's so rare that that you know it's so rare that your first year anything you write makes it to air. It's rare that you do anything except say good night at the end of the night in your first year. And her first sketch she wrote made it to air, and it was your mom talks to Megan Fox while you finish getting ready. And it was <laughs> evidently she wrote a ton with Kristen Wiig. They got you know they they started they started some uh, great chemistry like immediately and and figured out that they could work well together. And so it's it's Kristen Wiig doing her like old mom character and yeah. talking to Megan Fox and saying stuff like you're in that movie Transforms and and saying pop culture things <laughs> wrong. And uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Jillian uh, Bell was born and raised in Las Vegas. She began studying improv at the age of eight. Which sounds Damn. crazy to me. I know. Yeah, like, that's nuts. Where are the improv classes for eight-year-olds? <laughs> Do they all go out for like juice afterwards and stuff? Um, <laughs> she moved to L.A. after high school and joined the Groundlings. And in 2011, that's when she began playing Jillian Belk on the Comedy Central series Workaholics, which you remembered her from. Director Paul Thomas Anderson saw her in that and gave her a small role in his 2012 film The Master, which I saw. I, I don't remember her in that. What were you chuckling about? I, I, because I, I forgot like how much they, uh, or, or I guess lack of how much they changed real names in the yeah. show Workaholics. Jillian <laughs> Bell to Jillian Belk. Yeah. Uh, Anders Holm was Anders Holmvik. <laughs> um, Adam, uh, Adam de, Adam Devine was Adam DeMamp. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Blake. Blake Anderson, I think, is his real name, right? Okay, yeah. Blake Anderson is his real name, but he was... What was he on Workaholics? What was his name? I don't know. <laughs> I never watched it. You never watched Workaholics? I know. Tim? Oh, I my know. God. How? Oh, okay. He, he had the most uh, changed one. His oh. real name is Blake Anderson. On the show, he's Blake Henderson. <laughs> Still, <laughs> it, it's the most changed by letters, but yeah, <laughs> but not by just being a, a homonym. I, I, like. Actually, actually, yeah, they because they, they knocked <laughs> off two letters of his, or no, they knocked off one letter of his real last name at the beginning and added two other ones. Yeah, yeah. So it, <laughs> Anderson even, to Henderson. <laughs> it may be the most lazy actually. Now that we <laughs> we've broken it down, that's pretty funny. <laughs> After she was in the Master, which again I saw, but I don't remember, she had a recurring role as Dixie in the fourth and final season of Eastbound and Down, which again I watched and I don't remember her in that. In 2014, she appeared in 22 Jump Street with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, which again I saw, but I don't remember her in. Uh, <laughs> and to add to her primetime Emmy nomination, maybe even more prestigious, she was nominated for two MTV Movie Awards for Best Fight with Jonah Hill and best villain and jonah hill really gave it his all in that scene i heard because he just pretended she was a female surfer <laughs> and she was and she was breaking his relationship boundaries <laughs> so that's why he really he really went for it uh she was also in bill and ted face the music which i, I don't remember her in but good burger 2 which i didn't think was out yet that's not out yet right uh, she will be in. I, I don't think it is i feel like i would have watched that by now yeah i feel like you would have too <laughs> Uh, 2023, Lil Rel Howery? Uh, no. Oh, an upcoming no American. Upcoming. November okay. of 20. Should be out November of November. this year. Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing that's going to drop on Paramount Plus, probably. That's my guess. Yeah. They're, they're the ones that have the Nickelodeon properties. So look for her in that. And she was in an episode of Drunk History as Clara Kinsey in the sex episode. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yep. 
So there we go. Jillian Bell was well on her way to uh, greatness by the time she was on this episode. But it was certainly, it was one of those things where, like, she probably had a lot of irons in the fire. I was like, well, you know, I got this, like, you know, speaking role on, on Curb, so that's good. And then, you know, because we don't know when they filmed this, but then she started on SNL, like, that same, basically around this time. If it was, like, October, SNL normally starts, you know, I think in, like, September or whatever. Yeah, so. I'm guessing they probably filmed yeah. this in, in the spring or something. Yeah, yeah. So maybe she was added to the staff like that summer. I don't know when they make those calls. Um, I think it's normally around then. Um, here's something that should have been homework, but I guess like we're just probably so exhausted with Jerry Seinfeld's, you know, <laughs> anachronistic references and archaic references that we just, it just didn't register with us. But Larry says now I didn't. I don't know what Larry says to Jerry. He's like, we should try this to write tomorrow. I think we're going to write better. He brings up some like old school screenwriters. That you know, and some something um, kooky that they did to write better, and then Jerry goes, "Yeah, then maybe we'll wrestle naked like Oliver Reed and Alan Bates." Oh and my God. it was only in my research after the fact to this, I was like, "Oh, we should have written that down." As far as like, what the hell did Jerry mean by that? <laughs> so that is a reference to. Oh, did I not even write the name of the movie down? Oh no, I, no, I think. Um, hang on, I, I have to. I didn't. I, I copied and pasted everything else except. The name of the movie. So stand by. <laughs> oh, Women in Love. Sorry. Okay. So that's a reference to Women in Love, which is from 1969. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and the film was nominated for four Academy Awards. So, I mean, it, it's been forgotten to time as far as our generations are concerned, but maybe it was a big enough deal in Jerry and Larry's time that it's it was still a you know, people would know what you're talking about if you referenced it. Because it was nominated for four Academy Awards. And Glenda Jackson, one of the women in the movie, won the Academy Award for Best Actress for her role. And during... So here's what happens. It's about these two guys who fall in love with two girls. And they go on, like, vacation together or something. And and, and the dudes, I guess, uh, during one of their discussions... Rupert and Gerald are their names. Rupert suggests Japanese-style wrestling. So they strip and wrestle in the firelight. <laughs> Rupert enjoys their closeness and says they should swear to love each other. But Gerald doesn't understand Rupert's idea of wanting to have an emotional union with a man as well as an emotional and physical union with a woman. So Gerald was being like, or Rupert, Rupert, I'm sorry, was being like very real with his feelings. Like, I love you, man. And Gerald was just not comfortable with that as a heterosexual, uh, despite having just wrestled naked with another dude. He was comfortable enough. Yeah, that was that. fine. That was fine. <laughs> That you can do as a heterosexual man, but actually expressing an emotional love, even if it's not the same kind of love, even even though he acknowledged it's not the same kind of love you have with a woman. It's like, hey, I love you, man. Uh, he's like, no, I, uh, I don't get it. But spoiler alert, after attempting to strangle his wife, Gerald trudges off into the cold to commit suicide and die alone. Rupert and Ursula return to their cottage in England. Rupert grieves for his dead friend as ursula and rupert discuss love ursula says there can't be two kinds of love he explains that she is enough for love of a woman but there is another eternal love and bond for a man so yeah even even uh, rupert's wife didn't quite understand their relationship but you know i think it's okay for you to be bummed about your friend killing himself after he murders his wife i mean that's i don't know you don't even have to love a dude to, to be like man that, that's a bummer um yeah so that that was what that reference was too and that's should have been homework that's under should have been homework um a notable here's some other trivia and tidbits a notable plot point concerns an image of jesus with a tear dropping from his eye cheryl hines co-starred in a film called 
Henry Poole is here in 2008, in which her character has a wall restuccoed, where a stain bears an image of Jesus, also with a tear in his eye. Oh so, my god! Yeah, kind of a crib because <laughs> that movie came out like a year before, and so interesting that Larry was like, "Good idea." Uh, at the, I guess this is a in a within episode continuity error. Most of the time, we talk about season to season or even episode to episode continuity errors with Larry feeling one way about one thing and another way about another or, or whatever. But uh, in the beginning, we were talking about the dry erase board and we were puzzled about this, but I think we came to the same conclusion that rage killing is an idea for the Seinfeld reunion, but that only occurs at the end of the episode. So why is it already <laughs> on the board at the beginning of the episode, like road rage killing? Uh, because the incident hadn't been recounted at that point to Larry or he hadn't kind of lived it with Richard Lewis uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, very weird. And in the flashback set in 1962, Madeline and her husband listened to and sing along with Don't Say Nothing Bad About My Baby by The Cookies, which was not released until 1963. Aha! Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I know. I hope someone got <laughs> fired for that blunder. Um, <laughs> it is weird. Like, why did it have to be that song why couldn't you pick a song from 1962 why couldn't it be don't why uh, you know it, it's a mistake that the song has nothing to do it just plays later so it's like oh we'll play the song from 1962 later yeah just a very weird you know mistake that didn't have to be made but also who knew anyone was gonna check uh but that is all i got all right do we got any news or anything no oh well i mean we have personal podcast news if you want to talk about that here Yes, yes, I, I will. I will bring that up. Okay, uh, through through the the run of my of my uh, preamble here. All right, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show. Despite the last, what are we at? Currently thirty two minutes. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, despite the last thirty two. Oh, it's already like a quarter after. Oh, <laughs> okay. We 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 got We got to roll. We got to go. We got to go. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 14 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at no hugging on Twitter. No hugging, no learning show at gmail.com or no hugging underscore no learning on Instagram. Yay! And threads, by yes, the way. We, right. we finally, finally hopped on the Instagram trend. Trend? The train? Um, <laughs> the thread. About, fi about, about trend. five years too late. <laughs> yeah. uh, we should have just done this from the beginning. Even if we didn't fucking post anything, we should have just locked down the name. Obviously. Five years ago. <laughs> but now, we, yeah, we're on Instagram. No hugging. Underscore no learning. Please go give us a follow because right now we're getting like one or two or three likes <laughs> per per thing and most of them are Tim and myself. Yeah. <laughs> from, from our other accounts. Yeah, but there's some good stuff up there already. There's you can relive some great uh, moments from previous episodes. I'm I'm kind of going in in chronological order as far as, you know, posting. I even posted an early Seinfeld yeah, uh, you did. audio yeah, clip you did. that I had lying <laughs> around, but a lot of it's from Curb but I'll put whatever I have up there. And then I also put the picture, and I can't believe I forgot to mention this last week when we talked about me going to see Doug Love's movies. I totally forgot when I was going back in my photo uh, uh, gallery looking for stuff to post that Doug that Benson was in an was episode. In an episode. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, I thought Matt Bronger was in one. Doug Benson was in one, you idiot. You could have asked him. 
about it. You talk to him, and so, oh, well, maybe he'll come back to Pittsburgh and, in a couple years, and I can, I can ask him what it was like to be in Curb. But anyway, the so that picture's up there and some great headliners, and yeah, you never know what you're going to see at no hugging underscore no learning, which, by the way, I hadn't I, I, I was editing the episode, and I, I did bleep that line in 230, uh, 240, no, in 239. Mm-hmm. I bleeped that in 239, two episodes ago, if you're listening to this. And then I was like, I was like, why do I have to, I, I was going to like, well, let me see if Ted actually likes that. And I was like, and, and I kind of went back to what you just said, like, well, what does it matter? I'll lock it down now. And then if we do want to use it, we'll use it. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, well, I'd already bleeped it. And I had, you know, I had done so many edits that I couldn't undo it. And uh. so, yeah, I was like, well, oh, well, a little bit of mystery for those who, who are listening from 239 on. <laughs> and we did end up locking that down. That is the name, but Good. you didn't hear Good. it because it was bleeped. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, yeah, all, all of those. And, additionally, YouTube.com slash no hugging. I, I think it's just uh, .com slash no hugging uh, for, for YouTube where we put – uh, no, not really video of all the episodes, but all the episodes are up on YouTube as well. It's a little like, you know, audiogram. It, it, it is a photo. It is mm-hmm. something that will be on your screen. Is it Tim and I? No, <laughs> no, it is not because you don't need to see me sitting here in my pajamas, twiddling nope. my thumbs while Tim reads his, his homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all that being said, oh wait, no, I, I did not get into uh, our uh, patrons yet. Um, if you like us a little bit, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, or excuse me, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can give us the five-star rating. If you like us a little bit more than that, you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you get early access to extended versions of all of our episodes, including... Patreon-exclusive movie reviews. About once a month, we tend to do those. Or you can join the uh, the uh, Spare a Square tier and just get a thank you. So I want to give a, a shout-out to our patrons. We got H.E. Pennypacker, Michael Klatsky, Drybones, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, uh, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you all so much. Again, that is patreon.com slash nohugging. All of that being said, Season 7, Episode 7, The Black Swan, original air date November 1st, 2009. And if you're looking in TV Guy that night, you are going to see Larry twice encounters bad luck on the same golf hole. Is it Larry's bad luck? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not good luck if we have to ascribe a, a luck qualifier <laughs> to it. But I don't think it's accurate. I don't either. <laughs> All right. And it's just poorly, oh, I shouldn't say it's poorly written. It's awkwardly written. Yeah. Twice encounters. Yeah. Anytime you bring that into it, it's like, who are you, the mighty Thor? Why do you have to speak like that? Like, I have twice encountered you. Like, I what? I have twice encountered poor luck you... on this <laughs> golf hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you have to say it like that? So, all right. We'll try to make it better at the end. We'll see what we can do. We open with uh, Nat. Cousin Andy and Larry visiting Larry's mom's grave. And we see Adele David, who lived from September 18th, 1920 to October 21st, 2001, which, you know, I had to immediately look up and find out that the special section, the episode where Larry David's mom dies, season three, episode six, 
came out October 20th, 2002. So was Larry in New York for a full year and <laughs> then found out his mom died afterwards? Or I guess the episodes just aren't airing when the events are taking place. I was hoping this would kind of settle it once and for all. Like, oh my gosh, wow, that's the exact day that the special section. No, it was, they were a year off. It was the weirdest thing. But Larry noticed that his dad misspelled passed away on the gravestone. It's P-A-S-T away instead of P-A-S-S-E-D. Because <laughs> he says it was $50 a letter. <laughs> yeah, to save $100. He spelled it. He's like, everyone knows what it means. Come on. It's to be the same thing. Uh, you know? <laughs> like, Larry's like, no, I'm going to fix this. Give me the number of the stonemason. And he's like, how about some adjectives, too? And the dad's like, oh, you want to spend like 6000 extra dollars on this gravestone? It's like, beloved mother of Larry. How about that? I think Andy throws in like something like that. You know, loving wife, beloved mother, stuff like that. Then as Nat, this was a hilarious button on the scene to me. Uh, Nat puts the flowers at the grave and then <laughs> there's like a beat and Larry goes, so how long do we have to stand here anyway? <laughs> it's so, so funny. Just no sincerity. Um, over at lunch at the country club. Uh, Larry and Andy are joined by Jeff and Funkhauser, and Norm shows up. We've seen him uh, several times before, this guy Norm, and th- so everyone's like, order quick. He's the slowest golfer in the world. We do not want to get stuck behind him, so everyone's like, oh, I have egg whites, and uh, Larry's like, oh, you know, I want this, and and uh, Jeff's like, uh, fruit bowl, that's it, and Andy's like, uh, how are your uh, eggs? How are, I, I want onions, and the crispy, I want just over, well done. I want them very crispy. He orders God. these like well done onions it takes his time ordering them as well and everyone's upset with him saying that they're gonna get stuck behind him and andy's like don't worry i'll eat fast uh it's at this point that jim shows up to say hi to larry but he's going back to new york on the red eye tonight just wanted to say hi and funkhauser's upset because larry didn't introduce them and funkhauser larry's like what's the difference you're never going to see him again he's going back to new york and funkhauser said it's a common courtesy and larry says it's a pointless unnecessary social convention so it was fine that he didn't introduce him to anybody. Uh, Larry answers his cell phone in the dining room of the club, which in 2009 was a huge no-no. Everyone is aghast that oh Larry would God. dare answer a cell phone How in a restaurant. Dare. In 2009? <laughs> you Holy gotta put that away. fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ma- What are you What you're you're talking on the phone at, at, at like a it, restaurant? The, even from the first time that it rings, everybody <laughs> in the dining room looks over at Larry. Everyone. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, but it's also a club rule that there's no cell phones in. I mean, maybe this, was, maybe this wasn't everywhere in 2009. Maybe it was just a country club where a lot of businessmen come, and it's like, we don't want you on your cell phone talking loudly while everyone's trying to enjoy their meal. So I don't know. Maybe that was it. Because it is a club rule. Mr. Takahashi comes over and admonishes Larry. He's the owner of the country club. We cut to a little bit later where, where everyone is done with their meal, except Andy, who is really enjoying his well-done onions with his eggs. But it totally screws him over because Norm's party gets up and it's like, what's the point? No need to rush now. They're uh, they're getting out there before us. Yeah. <laughs> and Larry gets the bill. He's going to take care of it. But the club, which has a mandatory 18% gratuity already included in every check, has another space for an additional tip. This has echoes to me of the all of the different tips that Larry had to leave at LA Farm, like way back in maybe season one or two, where it's like, you know, the tip for the waiter and then the tip for the 
captain, the waiter captain or whatever, the guy that shows them the table. He's like, mm-hmm. I gotta, t- I'll tell you what, I'll give you the, the $20 and you give it to him. It's like, I'm not leaving two different tips for two different people when he didn't really do anything. Um, and Larry's going to start protesting the additional tip. So he doesn't leave the additional tip as he explains to the waiter. Uh, you know, I don't want to have to do a bunch of extra math to figure out how to make it to 20% or 25 or whatever it is. Like, why make people do that after they just had a nice meal? And this was a great, I love this this ending of this scene, too, because the waiter goes, you're protesting math. And Larry goes, exactly. I love <laughs> I love humor like that where it, it didn't go over Larry's head that he was being mocked, but the waiter was mocking him, like, you know, saying it in a very derogatory, condescending way, like, you're protesting math. And Larry pulls the, you get it. It's like, no, I was saying it like you're an idiot. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> no, I was fucking making fun of you, yeah. you idiot. I love that. <laughs> exactly. Okay, thank you. You know, but but it, it really puts it back on the waiter <laughs> to like, now the waiter feels like an idiot because Larry got the last word and it was like, exactly. Okay, thank, bye. You know, it was, uh, I like that. Uh, so out on the course, Norm is, of course, holding up the whole course and Larry's foursome behind them by looking for a ball for like 20 minutes that he lost. Uh, Larry David yells at him and then Larry yells at Andy for, for he's just so pissed off at everybody right now. This also had there was a lot of great lines in this episode I noticed. I'm, I'm not just saying that because the, the last three scenes have all had these perfect buttons on them but it just is, is something that goes all the way through this episode. They didn't make me necessarily laugh out loud but they were witty which I appreciated. Like, we don't normally get that sort of, like, that the great endings, the actual punchline endings to a scene, I guess, is what they were from Curb Your Enthusiasm. But, and this wasn't even a well-written joke. It was just, Norm goes, how's your wife? And Larry goes, fuck you, Norm. <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> that really, like, cracked me up. <laughs> it was like, he had nothing left to say yeah, to that him. Was, that was really, really good. <laughs> so in the locker room, we find out uh, from somebody, I guess, that was in Norm's foursome that Norm had high blood pressure. And you know what happens when you yell at somebody and get them excited when they have high blood pressure? They have a heart attack and die. Yeah, Norm is dead. <laughs> Just the way, the roundabout way of getting to Norm is dead was really funny in this scene. It's like, you don't yell at somebody with high blood pressure because you know what happens when you <laughs> yell at somebody with high blood pressure, huh? Well, they get angry and they have a heart attack and they die and that's what happened. Yeah, it- <laughs> Norm is dead. I'm like, why not lead with that? <laughs> yeah, Norm's dead. What? Yeah, you yelled at him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can definitely no. put the headline. <laughs> like, in, in real life, that's what would happen. But for the show, this was so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have to make it a riddle where it's like, and the answer is you. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, that was a twist ending to your your little tirade there. It's like, yeah. Um, but this was this is also something funny to say to somebody. You know what? When I joined this club, I heard stories about you, and I couldn't believe that one person was capable of all this. But oh you know what? God. Everything about you is true. Everything they say about you is true. That digs so deep because it's so ambiguous. If you said it to anybody with actual feelings, you just never stop thinking about that man's face saying that to you, right? Like, But Larry's not that kind of person who, who cares that much about what other people think about him. But like, Everyone else would just lie awake. They'd never get another night's sleep without going, 
what were people saying about me? What is true? What did this guy hear that he's saying everything is true? But that so that's that's a funny thing to say. And then I love everybody who tries and fails to make Larry feel better about it in in varying degrees. Like Funkhauser going. Well, you know, because they, they all start in very funny ways and then they end with the same way. He's like, well, it, it may have been an accident, but you're a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, you're not a murderer. It's involuntary manslaughter, if anything. <laughs> you didn't mean to kill him. Uh, and Andy also chimes in saying that he thinks Larry's responsible for his death. And he's like, oh, yeah? Well, the second you ordered those onions, that's what did it. When you order those onions, you put a gun to that man's head. <laughs> That, to me, was another very funny, witty line. But I liked everyone trying to, especially Funkhauser's deadpan, like, uh, it may have been an accident, but you are a murderer. Like, what? Uh, so back at home, here's your Seinfeld update in episode seven. Uh, the Seinfeld read-through is next week. <laughs> oh, wow. Episode this... <laughs> seven of a ten-episode season, and we're getting to the read-through? Yeah. Wow, this has been the Seinfeld update for the season. That's Jesus all you're getting again. <laughs> and that's it I, yep. for this whole episode. We've yeah. only got three more episodes of the season, <laughs> and we haven't even touched the read-through yet. <laughs> the read-throughs. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we won't even see the read-through. I'm sure this is just their one mention, like, yeah, I'm writing it. Yeah, the read-through's next week. <laughs> All right, on with what's really important. Larry David's, uh, you know, the minutia <laughs> of Larry David's everyday life. Uh, if he can't golf every day, what happens? Uh, we also meet Andy's wife, who we've never seen before. Did we remember. get her name here, and I just missed it? I don't know if we... No, we get it later. I think okay. we I think we only get it when they're in Larry's bedroom, when Andy and Larry are in his bedroom. But no, we don't get it here. Okay. Um, but she's selling very ugly hats. Yes, very ugly. Uh, <laughs> I don't. We don't know if they're all cowboy hats because we don't see them. But we only see two. Yeah, that's kind of what we're left to believe. Is that? Or do we see a second one? The stonemason. Spoiler alert: is wearing his at the end of the episode. Oh, man, I didn't even catch that uh, he was wearing a hat, honestly. Yeah. Was yeah, it a I'd... cowboy hat? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's definitely one of her hats. It was definitely one of her hats. Yeah, yeah but, like, was it a cowboy hat style? Um, Yes, but not your typical. It was. It looked more like those cowboy hats that kind of have a more flat brim than okay, they folded okay. up brim. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like you would just see someone working in a field working yeah. in a grave would be exactly wearing. so i mean yeah a guy who maybe works all day in the sun like in 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 cemeteries that may not have a lot of you know tree cover and stuff like that it may be a valuable hat for him yeah, yeah. it's pretty oh, ugly absolutely. i mean you could just go to a hat store and buy like a cool brown one or something but why not buy a bright red one with uh, nice with flowers and ropes on it yeah and feathers yeah. and stuff yeah yeah that's perfect Perfect adornments for for a man of that job. <laughs> it occurred to me a couple of things occurred to me. First, this lady, if she marketed herself well, may have been making a killing during Barbenheimer weekend when we're recording oh my this episode. God, I know these right? are pretty good. <laughs> these are pretty good. These would have gone nuts for Barbenheimer. <laughs> just open your, just go park at the biggest theater and open your trunk as people walk by and go. <laughs> Hats, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever you're... You know, Barbenheimer hats, yeah. Barben 20 bucks. Um. <laughs> but so, she, A, she would have made a killing on Barbenheimer weekend with these hats. But B, Larry has Larry is on some sort of crusade against gaudy women's fashion. Larry thinks there is no place for it because he... 
I think he sort yeah, of dresses. If there's anybody to insert their point of view on women's fashion, it's Larry David. Yeah, because look, I think these hats are ugly too, but this lady is moving hats, whether Larry or I like it or not. And so I'm not going to tell anybody what they can and can't wear or that looks dumb or that doesn't look dumb. But I bring this back to Susie, and I think he dresses her in a very gaudy way as sort of a, a, a part of his crusade against this type of fashion. And also when she was making those ugly sweatshirts. That she oh was finding God. an audience yeah, I forgot for. about the sweatshirts. <laughs> yeah. That she was. I mean, Ben Stiller aside, because Larry buys him one because Ben's nice and says, oh, those are really cool. Uh, you know, she is moving them to other in other places. So there's an audience for those, too, just like an audience for these hats. But if Larry had his way, they'd be wiped off the face of the earth with an atomic bomb. Um, <laughs> Speaking of Oppenheimer. Exactly. <laughs> Bringing it all home. But uh, <laughs> it's just interesting that Larry, you know, because, look, I wouldn't wear this, but they wouldn't be out of place you know, in the theater this weekend or at an era's tour show or at, you know, oh in the, in, in any club yeah. in America <laughs> on any Barbenheimer be damned era's tour would have made her a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Sell these <laughs> right next to the bracelets or whatever in, uh, in the parking lot. Um, Here, yeah. Here's my study on how you can become a millionaire in one summer. <laughs> Step one, wait until Taylor Swift goes on a huge stadium tour. Follow her around with your ugly hats. <laughs> and step three, you're a millionaire. Congratulations, girly pop. So Larry offers, by the way, because she's talking about, you know, having to sell these hats and, and how, you know, finances are thin because of health insurance and, and school. And Larry's like, let me tell you what, I will pay for your kid to go to college. Andy and his wife are just so grateful. I mean, so grateful. First of all, she's going to make Larry a thank you hat, <laughs> which is a fun. I'm going to make you a thank you hat. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope it would say thank you all over it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's going to pay for their kids' college, and uh, you know, with, at, with his thank you hat, Andy says, "Hey, you know, you show some of your celebrity friends that hat, and all of a sudden she might have something on her hand." Larry says that Jerry Seinfeld would never wear a hat like that, but it reminds me of the puffy shirt where Jerry agrees because it's a friend who make uh, you know the the significant other of a friend who is making these shirts that he agrees to wear on a big national show that's the today show so that's the puffy shirt that's the puffy shirt situation there uh kind of in in, in real life here in curb quote unquote irl and the stonemason calls larry asks him to fix the inscription and andy says something about who's that yankee that you had on seinfeld while larry's on the phone to the stonemason he's like oh yeah Derek jeter and the stonemason starts laying in on Derek jeter calling him you know, the worst uh, and uh, just so overhyped. And, and Larry and the Stonemason get into a fight about Derek Jeter. Did the, 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 the Stonemason have like a disappearing accent to you? To me, when... Mm, I, I don't know. When Larry picked up the phone, the guy's like, Stonemason. Hey, it's me. Hey, Stonemason. Stonemason. He's like speaking in sort of... And then when he talks about Derek Jeter, he's like, Ah, oh, Derek Jeter's a hack. The worst ball player I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Just a second ago, you were speaking like broken English, and now you sound like Colin Coward. It's... Uh, how, what's going on here? It was, it was weird. He was speaking in like just one or two syllables, and then all of a sudden he's, he's you know, speaking in a regular American accent. So we're out on the golf course again. No one is playing out of respect for Norm, except Larry, Jeff, Funk and andy and so they have the course of themselves larry uh hits his drive out by a pond so he's got to go out there to find that and hit it and that's when a black swan crests the hillside 
Larry's kind of like down in this little gully where this pond is, and the the swan comes, this black swan comes over the hillside and starts advancing on Larry, and Larry has maybe no choice. He feels no choice except to beat the feathers off of it with his Jesus golf club. Christ. Yeah, <laughs> takes one a hearty swing and feathers just go flying. <laughs> Had no choice. It was self defense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that swans and geese are ornery. And, like, you do not want to be on the wrong side of a goose. Like, I know they can inflict some damage, but did it need to be beat to death? I don't know. <laughs> I, I might have just run, run yeah, away. I probably, I probably would have just, you know, sidestepped it. Yeah, <laughs> let him run into the pond. I, I mean, he probably would have picked up the ball and thinking it's its egg. But, yeah. like, oh, no. Or you're Put just, another ball there. You're just in the swan's territory. Just remove yourself from the swan's territory and see what happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a park near us where we go a lot, and geese and duck hang out in this little pond that we, you know, there's like a little animal area. It's like not quite a zoo, but there's like a peacock and some buffalo yeah. and stuff. So it's cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But I'm always, the kids are always like walking and they don't know geese like I know geese like I've never been attacked by a goose but you know I've heard stories and I'm like just don't get too close and they'll be like sitting in the walkway or whatever and the kids will be like that da, 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 just like walking up on them I'm like oh don't please don't make me fight a goose to protect my child <laughs> like I don't know even know how to go about doing it but I just don't want these geese to think they're threatened in any way let's just let's just move gingerly around them um, but we find out that that was as the group comes over to Larry that was Mr. Takahashi's pet swan, beloved pet swan, loved it more than anything. And Larry has swears everyone to secrecy. They're out there on the course alone. Nobody's going to find out about this. No, uh, no one say a word about it ever. Except Andy says he has to tell his wife because <laughs> they tell each other everything. They agreed very early on. We'll tell each other everything. Um, and everyone, even Funkhauser, is like, "Are you crazy?" And Jeff's like, "You don't tell your wife anything." My wife thinks I'm at the office right now. The only time I tell her I'm playing golf is when I'm with another woman. Jesus Christ. This <laughs> was so is, funny. Yeah, that was another great witty line that I was like, genius. This this episode is full of them. <laughs> um, and so, but Andy's like, all right, fine, fine. It's going to kill me, but I won't tell my wife. And Larry's like, we got to bury the swan. We got to bury it. We're going to take it to the woods. And uh, I like that Larry wants someone else to pick it up. It's like, no, no. We'll, like, we'll, no, you killed it. Yeah, we'll be, um, what are they called, accomplices in this, but you're going to do most of the work. <laughs> so in the clubhouse, uh, everyone in the dining room, you know, everyone in the foursome is just very on edge, except for Larry, which, by the way, there's there's some great scenes of, like, black swans everywhere. I mean, they surround anybody with a conscience is like, oh, God, there's a black swan on the crest. There's a black swan embroidered on the, the napkin. I noticed later on black swans are on the... <laughs> waiters name tags yeah yeah they're just everywhere and so everyone actually with a conscience is feeling very guilty and <laughs> but larry though is in like like mob boss mode he's like you know who leaves swan killers leave you know who doesn't leave people who don't kill swans so <laughs> people who aren't swan killers they stay they have lunch they socialize He's like being being very um, cold about the whole thing, like, but but almost speaking like a mob boss, like who was trying to cover up a murder. You know, um, he even picks up a knife and and sort of like uh, jabs it into the table when Funkhauser suggests that the, that he's going to confess or something like that. Um, so it's it's really uh, yeah, really another side of Larry. 
But the groundskeepers who are out uh, on the course, one of them goes into the woods to piss and stumbles upon, quite literally, the black swan. And they take it in a wheelbarrow up to the clubhouse where the foursome can see it and they show Mr. Takahashi. And then all four of them are called to Mr. Takahashi's office. Uh, In the office, Mr. Takahashi is interrogating them. Who killed Kyoko? Uh, Andy says he didn't do it. He doesn't even live here. He's just a guest, so he has no no motive or anything like that. Uh, he offers Marty Funkhauser free dues for life, which right there, like, I mean, how Marty that Funkhauser, right there is enough. But like Marty, Marty presses Takahashi. He sees if yeah. he can get a little bit more, which he does. Uh, valet parking, range balls, as many as you can hit, absolutely free. Just the dues, though. I mean, a country club like this for the richest people in LA. I'm like. What do you think yearly dues are like? Twenty, thirty thousand? You think they're fifty? What do you, what do you, what do you think? Oh God! Because like I know for, my for a year. Yeah, like mm. my dad was like we're not uh, we're not Larry David rich. We're not Jeff Green rich or Marty Funkhauser rich. Like my dad joined a country club when he retired. When they told me how much that was, I was like, wow. And so I'm like, so for this, like a friggin' nice whatever Beverly Hills, Santa Monica, wherever we are, Malibu Country Club. I'm like, I don't think 50000 is out of the realm of possibility a year. I, I, I just looked up average SoCal country club membership yeah. costs, and countryclubprices.com is a thing. Um, and it looks like place here, uh, this is the Los Angeles Country Club. So obviously not uh, wh- whatever this club was called, the, the Black Swan Club yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, entry fee for membership is 25000 but you also pay $100 a month, Okay. Um, which seems low. From yeah, Los yeah. Angeles, doesn't it? It does. But to me, that's maybe like, well, I don't know. Well, what do you say? It's the... not like everyone in Los Angeles is swimming in money. I mean, we learned that with the with the writers and the actors strike. There's a lot of just working class people in in LA and, and Southern California who are just yeah. barely getting by. And I don't think Larry would be a member of a club that they would be members to, you know? Like I found did you say the Los Angeles Country Club? Yeah. That's, so I found this article from CNN. Oh, no, this isn't CNN. This is whatever AS.com is. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe the 2023 U.S. Open was played there. And it says initiation fees at the Los Angeles Country Club start at 250000 And annual dues are twenty to 30000 Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was the name of the club in the, in the show? It's not a real club, is it? I don't think so. It was called Black Swan. Oh, it, oh, it was called Black Swan? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no. It's called... Mountain View or something. Mountain View. Yeah, or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's not on my my list of most popular clubs anyway. <laughs> but my uh, yeah, so that's weird. So it's weird that that said two hundred fifty thousand, and then yeah, this country club price is what I'm seeing also twenty five thousand. So it's very weird. This says dues are rumored to be in the range of twenty to. I guess yeah, this is Los Angeles Country Club dues. So that also says dues are in the range of twenty to thirty thousand. So maybe there's two different Los Angeles Country Clubs that we're looking at. Um, maybe and one one lets in the elites, one lets yeah, in the yeah, one's uh, like more the, private, the, the, the everyday people, the, the the plebes who can afford the twenty five thousand dollar yearly yeah cost. <laughs> um, but my point was that like let's say it's just thirty thousand. How much longer is Funkhauser going to be a member of this club? Where, you know, that's some serious coin that Mr. Takahashi is offering up. Yeah, that's my is. point. Like, 
and not to mention the free valet parking and the range balls and all that. I mean, which is probably pennies compared to the actual dues. Dues for life. Free dues for life. But Funkhauser, seeing Larry's, the look on Larry's face, uh, will not give Larry up as the swan killer. Um, he moves on to Jeff and says, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know, you know, maybe you killed the swan. And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm not stupid. He's like, well, you marry a big mouth wife. He's like, you're right. I did marry a big mouth wife. Just like, immediately backs <laughs> down. He does, yeah. I guess I am stupid. <laughs> He's like, but you know what? I don't even bring her around anymore out of respect. <laughs> <laughs> and he finally gets to Larry. And Larry finally knows what it's like to be on the other side of his famous stare down. Because that is what Mr. Takahashi does to him. But in the middle of the stare down, Larry's phone rings. And he does pick it up. But uh, and tells the person on the other end he has to call them back. But Mr. Takahashi says, I told you, no cell phones in the clubhouse. That's your last warning. So back at home, uh, Larry is getting ready because there's a memorial for Norm at the club. And then tomorrow is the funeral. <laughs> and Larry, uh, the ever, you know, feeling person says, this is worse than playing behind him. Now he's now Norm is eating up two of Larry's valuable golf playing days <laughs> with a memorial and a funeral. Uh, and Andy then asks, you know, it was so nice of you to offer to put our kid through college. Uh, we were wondering, you know, we were talking about it in bed last night, if you would put Cassie through cosmetology school. She wants to go. So this is where we finally get Andy's wife's name, Cassie. But she wants to go to cosmetology school. And Larry, I think rightly so, is a little offended by the request. It's like, this is why rich people, you know, you hear like when people win the lottery or whatever, and all of a sudden they're rich and they want to help everybody. It's always a bad idea because they're always just going to ask for a little bit more and their family. Mm -hmm. So you have to help them out or whatever. And it's like, man, I made this offer out of the goodness of my heart. And it's it wasn't enough for you. Like wherever that wherever she's going to go to college, whatever, it's going to cost me one hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, whatever. But now your wife wants to go to cosmetology school as well. Yeah. Um, And, you know, Larry's like, what kind of person would make a request like that? And she's like, oh, what kind of so Cassie hears and comes in and hears that Larry's not going to put her through cosmetology school. And she says, she says, oh, what kind of people? Well, I'll tell you what kind of people we're not. We're not swan killers. We're not the kind of people that kill swans. And Larry then knows that Andy blabbed about what is going on. And if they say anything, you know, uh, she's like, what, are you threatening us? He's like, yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go to that closet and I'll take every one of those ugly hats and I'll destroy them if you say anything. Uh, And so they get very upset at each other about the prospect of Larry wrecking her beautiful hats. Yeah, a very, very like legitimate and very realistic threat. So I would not be saying shit about Larry killing a swan if I was, uh, what was her name? Cassie. Cassie. Yeah, I would not be saying anything because yeah. I know Larry's going to destroy all of these hats. I would not put it past him. He would light a big old bonfire in his yard. Uh, so at Norm's memorial, as the service starts, Larry's phone rings and everyone is kind of looking around because they don't know who it is. But before Mr. Takahashi can clock that it is Larry, he throws it towards the back of the memorial. They're having the memorial. Uh, so no one knows it was him. Uh, and the, Larry visits the receiving line and is talking to Norm's family, and they're very upset with him because they once again believe that he killed him by yelling at him and getting his heart rate up. <laughs> but Larry tells them his theory that Norm was attacked by the black swan that lives at that hole. And he says, you know what, they, they should have put that swan down a long time ago. Whoever killed that swan is a hero. <laughs> 
because I think he was attacked, and that's what got his heart rate up. Uh, it's then that Larry goes towards the back of the room, and the waiter that he stiffed on the extra tip has found his phone, and very menacingly... Oh, my God. <laughs> ...is talking to Larry like, oh, this is a, a pretty cool phone. I like this little ball in the middle. You can really scroll through all those emails pretty easily. Yeah, and we, we saw earlier that the email that Jeff sent. Oh, yes, I forgot to mention that. Subject line, swan killing. I know. <laughs> Why? Yeah, don't. Yeah, Jeff sent an email, re-swan killing, and the body is like, we should confess, we're going to get caught. <laughs> I'm feeling so mention. guilty. I'm not going to be at the memorial because of this or something. But like, oh, oh yeah. my fuck. Uh, of course, there's a paper trail right there. I, to I totally skipped a scene, by the way. Um, so yeah, they, they get to the club at the memorial, and Larry walks up to Funkhauser immediately and starts telling him about the asshole oh, stonemason yeah. that he was on the yeah. phone with. Now, Fra Funkhauser is trying to send him yeah, nonverbal cues. Before, before, like, uh, before anybody can say anything, before Funkhauser can say anything, he's like, yeah, this guy's such a fucking asshole. Like, he's saying, <laughs> Derek Jeter's overrated. Like, are you going to seriously say Derek Jeter's overrated? <laughs> and then this stonemason is standing right next to Funkhauser and just goes, I'm an asshole, huh? <laughs> yeah, Ed the stonemason is right there. And boy, this is like, in addition to everything about everything they say about you is true to somebody, this is another thing that only a stonemason could say to another person and have it be badass. He's like, yeah, I did Marty Funkhauser's, his mom and dad's uh, stone. I did your, I hope I get to do yours real soon. Like, damn, that's some cold shit. <laughs> By the way, did you recognize this actor? I know no, I've seen him no, in a I bunch didn't. of stuff. I, I stuck around to see his name at the end. His name is Eric Edelstein. I think, interestingly enough, he's been a guest on Doug Loves Movies a couple times. But also, I want to see what else he's been in. So I want to see what I recognize him from. So I'll write him down for next time. But yeah, that was, I hope I get to do yours real soon. Um, and Funkhauser didn't introduce him to Larry and head off this whole uh, social awkwardness because it would be against Larry's policy to introduce somebody because it's a, a pointless and unnecessary social convention to introduce people <laughs> that you're talking to to someone else who comes up. So it was against Larry's policy, so that's why. And this, to me, was just another great, one of those great witty lines. Larry goes, hmm, hoisted on my own petard, huh? And Funkhauser <laughs> goes, exactly. And Larry goes, hmm. He just kind of has to take the L. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that. Uh, and that's when he see, he you know shows Funkhauser the email about re-swan killing. <laughs> I like that. I like that he put re in front of it. Not It couldn't be just swan killing. It's like, this is going to be regarding the swan killing. And so, yeah, the waiter who found the phone in the scene that, uh, that we're going back to is, yeah, it's like, oh, this button's great. You can really scroll through all those emails really easily. Uh, and he just kind of says it very, uh, you know, deadpan like that. And so at lunch, when the waiter comes over, and leaves the check, he makes sure to mention to Larry, there's a an 18% included gratuity. And Larry looks at everybody else, and they all agree, this God is a shakedown. Damn. This is a shakedown. <laughs> yeah, and Larry's like, I'll take care of this. Larry will do whatever it takes to keep Takahashi from finding out what actually happened. So he puts down a $500 tip, and Ooh. the waiter is so grateful. And he's like, oh my gosh, I feel, yeah. Walks walks away saying, "Wow, what a generous guy!" And then <laughs> Ma Marty Funkhauser, another great line, just yep. out of nowhere. I don't think he knew what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. 
Larry's out 500 bucks. He didn't have to be. And now he's like on the hook. Every time he eats there, you know, I know the waiter's going to know this was a one. $500 tip. Yeah. It may not be $500 every time, but Larry has put himself on the hook for the extra gratuity, (laughs) you know, going back on his protest. And yeah, I love that. That was such a great, I don't think he knew what the fuck you were talking about. (laughs) Uh, So at Norm's funeral now, Mr. Takahashi says, I know you couldn't have killed my swan because I heard from that waiter what a generous tip you left. You know, most people don't even leave the extra gratuity. Uh, So the protest was already, you know, on its way to working. Like Larry didn't even know he was a part of this greater movement. But he's like, wow, I I know that someone that generous could not have killed my (laughs) beloved swan. And so he makes up with Takahashi saying, yeah, you lost a little bit of face accusing me, didn't you? Uh, And so... They're going to walk past Larry's mom's tombstone to see, you know, how the the re-engraving has gone on their way back to the parking lot. They're going to walk together. And Larry's even convincing him to get rid of just make gratuity 25 percent, 20, 25 percent and get rid of that extra line. And Takahashi thinks it's a great idea. I think he's going to do it. Um, And we see Larry walk past his mom's gravestone. And there's the stonemason in the ugly hat that he bought from Cassie. (laughs) That I totally missed. (laughs) And he walks away, so Larry goes up there. And interestingly enough, on the new tombstone, there are no more years. So we don't see that she lived from 1920 (laughs) to 2001. I thought that was a weird thing to get rid of. It's like, well, I guess you wanted to spend the exact same amount of money, so you had to get rid of one or whatever, 1920. Uh, (laughs) You know, that'll save you a lot if you don't want the years on there. But so it says, mother of Larry, an asshole and a swan killer. And that's when Frolic starts up as the camera pans over to Mr. Takahashi, who it's, uh, it seems is also reading the tombstone. And that's the end of the episode. All righty. What do we got for homework this week, Tim? I just wrote down Eric Edelstein. Where do I recognize this, the stonemason from? What? Am I loud or something? Uh, no, it's like, it's like I, I just wrote down. <laughs> Worship the Dark Lord. Uh, Eric Edelstein. Whoa. And we're putting... Yeah, we're, Satan's paying us to put subliminal messages in our... That's the only sponsor we could get. <laughs> if, you listen, if you listen to this episode backwards... Yes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so what? where do I recognize him from? And, uh, you know, what's, what's his deal? I also noticed, I recognized a name, Mr. Takahashi's assistant, the one who calls the foursome back to Mr. Takahashi's office, is Duncan Trussell. Do you recognize that name? I think he's a stand-up comic. I don't. Um, I have no idea. I'm going to have to write that down. Okay. Yeah, look him up. Yeah, Duncan Trussell. Because um, I didn't recognize his face, but I definitely recognize his name. All right. Uh, what do we like for cover art this week? Maybe Larry with all the black feathers surrounding him as he, <laughs> you know, right after he's beaten the, the black swan to death. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, either that or maybe uh, all of the guys like surrounding the body of the swan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. All right, let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had Larry twice encounters bad luck on the same golf hole. God, it, it really is bad, isn't it? It's so bad because like <laughs> it, it's only mentioned very briefly before he kills the swan. Oh, yeah, this is the hole that Norm had his heart attack on. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and all it plays into is his theory that, you know, his the, the sort of like um, alternate theory that's going to get him out of any suspicion. Um, so what do we got? We have basically, I mean, the, the two spots of bad luck are the big plot points. Norm dying and Larry killing the Black Swan. I mean, you could say, you know, Larry, Larry, Larry may be responsible for two deaths on the same golf hole. I like that. 
I mean, he yeah, is. I, I think that's perfect. I think that's a perfect description right there. <laughs> he's definitely responsible for the swan. That's why. Yeah, yeah because he did it. <laughs> yeah, but so, but the word may, I mean, I still think there's plausible <laughs> deniability as far as Norm is concerned. You know, no, I, there's reasonable I think, doubt. Yeah, I think that's perfect. But But the word may doesn't work for both. That's my problem with it. Larry may be responsible for two deaths on the same golf hole. But he, we know he's I mean, responsible for one. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait. He may be responsible for two. He's definitely responsible for one. All right. Is that what you're about to say? Because that works. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, if, if you may be responsible for two, for two, that doesn't preclude not being responsible for right. either of them. I love it. Then I love it, too. Larry may yeah. be responsible for two deaths on the same golf hole. There we go. There we go. All right, Tim. Uh, did you like this episode? Before that, I just want to say how hard was that, Max? HBO Max. I mean, that's such a better, and it, it took us two seconds, yeah, as opposed right. to like the, the <laughs> ten minutes that sometimes it takes us. You know what? I I did like this episode, and as much as I talked about how I mu- how much I love those witty lines and stuff, gosh, I don't know if I can give it a full star. I want to. I kind of want to. I don't know if this is cheating or not, but I just kind of want to go back and see. I have a star low. I have a star low low, and I have a star. And then I have a bell curve with an arrow pointing at that really meaty part of the bell curve. Yeah. Vehicular fellatio was like I the forgot, perfect. I forgot about your, your bell curve star. Yeah. Gosh. And, but I kind of want to do give it a, a star. It's not a full star, but it's at least a star low. I'm going to give okay. it a star low. Because I'm, okay. I'm probably going to want to give the actual reunion a full star. I'm just like predicting right now that it's going to be great. Because you don't get that many people on the same episode of a TV show and it's not absolutely amazing. So I don't want to waste another one of my you know stars on that. I know we're reaching the end. I, I got to give it a star low just for all those great witty lines that, that we were pointing out throughout the episode. What about you? Yeah. I'm in the same boat because there was like so many good lines in here. Marty Funkhauser, like MVP <laughs> yeah. of this episode with, with the... I don't think he knew what the fuck you were talking about line and and just the 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 drop like uh uh the, the jaw drop moment of Larry uh beating a swan to death. <laughs> it was up uh, there with the rat dog, right? It was up there with the rat dog. I I, I was contemplating going higher, but I, I think I gotta stick to my guns. I'm going to star low with this. Yeah, but just the animal death scene, I mean, was up there with the rat dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like off-screen animal deaths. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, the the way that Sam Raimi would operate the blood hose on the Evil Dead movies, like that's what we got with feathers. There was like a feather hose that like just just sent a plume of yeah, yeah, it just it just swing feathers everywhere. <laughs> so many feathers. <laughs> I I I like to think that they started with like a normal amount of feathers and they were like more, more. <laughs> Somebody, you know, maybe Larry was like, no, we can't see enough feathers. I want more feathers. <laughs> and, and then they ended up with where we ended up, which was perfect. Oh, my gosh. All right. Next week, we have got season seven, episode eight, Officer Krupke. Oh, I'm, interesting. I'm, I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Officer Krupke. Yep. Uh, original air date, November 8th, 2009. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Jeff's indiscretion forces Larry to embrace his feminine side and one of Jeff's clients competes with Cheryl for a Seinfeld role. Wow, why do I remember this episode so well? I I can I can say like I'm pretty sure like two or three things that happen. Damn. Okay. In this episode, yeah, Officer Krupke, I, I know right away is a reference to the West Side Story song of the same name. 
So, yeah, interesting. I wonder why this episode made such an impact that I remember it over so much more of the others. But maybe we'll find out next week. Maybe. Uh, I know I know. with the Larry storyline, you'll be like, well, you don't necessarily forget something like that. But I won't spoil <laughs> anymore. Okay, okay. All right, is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good! Be good!